You are listening to Inside the Tunnel, a Virginia Tech sports podcast presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. Another week, another podcast. We have Evan G. Watkins on the line. And Evan, I got to say, Virginia Tech is now 1-0 when I'm wearing my camo Crocs covering the game. Yeah, so I guess it's, uh, it's all up to you from now on. Yeah, so I, I should pick and choose when I should wear the Crocs. I don't think I'll be wearing them for Notre Dame, but who knows? It's all about the uh, the fashion attire with you, I guess. Yeah, well, at least I don't wear skinny jeans. You couldn't pull them off if you tried. Facts. All right, so breaking down the old Dominion game, obviously the first win of the season was looking like it was going to be a convincing win after the first half, second half defensive woes and a few mistakes on the offensive side of the ball kind of bridges the gap, makes it a closer game, only a 14-point win. Just real quickly, I'll go over my thoughts. Uh, I was impressed by by Ryan Willis up until eight minutes to play in the fourth quarter. He had a solid game, 16 for 28, 272 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, but did have that big fumble, uh, which saw his benching for the rest of the game. Uh, Virginia Tech was 8 for 13 on third down conversions. I wasn't impressed necessarily by the running game and the run defense in the second half. I think a big metric that Justin Fuente and the rest of the team live by is time of possession. And it seemed that Old Dominion won that battle, holding the ball for 33 minutes and 20 seconds. The offense itself didn't seem as clean but I think we can finally label the offense. We've seen pro style. We've seen spread. We've seen triple option. But I think Brad Cornelson's signature offense in year four seems to be the third down and 12 offense. Run the ball for two straight plays. Don't get any yards. And then rely on Ryan Willis to bail you out. Uh, but Evan, I want to hear your thoughts on the game. You know, I think Ryan Willis played a, a pretty good game throughout the uh, the day, but I still think there's a lot of things he really needs to work on. And, you know, I, I was uh, very vocal that if it were me in that situation, I don't think I would have started him. Um, I think I would have gone with Hinden Hooker simply because I think it would have uh, not only given a glimpse to the future in a game that uh, Virginia Tech was likely going to win regardless of, you know, if Hinden Hooker got to play early or Ryan Willis or – you know, whoever was back there at the time, uh, you know, especially early in the game. But I, I think that Ryan Willis has shown that he, I mean, he, he has a big arm. Uh, you have head coach uh, Bobby Wilder, the old Dominion Monarchs, he mentioned the other day that uh, Ryan Willis was probably the best quarterback that ODU will face, talking about how he had an NFL arm and could kind of see him uh, at the next playing at the next level in the NFL. But uh, you know, I think that Ryan Willis has shown he can air the ball out. Uh, you know, it was it was good to see that the interceptions from the, the week one against Boston College didn't follow him into the Old Dominion game. But we have to also realize that Old Dominion's defensive backs are not as good as Boston College's defensive backs are. So you do have to take that into consideration. Um, I think he managed the game fairly well. I still think that he has a very tough time reading a defense pre-snap. I think he has a very difficult time on any type of zone read through RPO, which they haven't really ran that many of 
uh, recently with Ryan Willis, but he, he has trouble with reading. Um, you know, pre-snap, he has trouble uh, right when the ball is snapped, trying to make those split-second decisions. If it's a, you know, he knows who his number one target is, who is likely going to get open, he's very efficient. He moves the ball really well. Um, but when, when it gets into the uh, making a, a decision on the fly, it, it becomes a lot more difficult for him to really be overly efficient. On the other side of that, I think a bigger issue is putting the running backs in a good position to make plays. I don't think that's solely Brad Cornelson. I think that there are times he schematically draws up really, really good run plays, and I think that Ryan Willis puts the running backs in a bad situation. I think it goes both ways. I think Brad Cornelson uh, has to do a better job getting the running backs uh, to perform a little bit better. But I also think that Ryan Willis needs to perform better in, in any type of the zone read or, or an RPO type of situation. Um, and I think the offensive line really needs to, to gel a little bit and to, uh, to get better. They need to figure out a way to get the run game going as they get into ACC play or that these ACC opponents are going to realize you don't have to respect Virginia Tech's run game and they can sit back and really take away a lot of opportunities for Ryan Willis and really diminish the offensive output that Virginia Tech is, is hoping to, uh, to put forward over the rest of the year. I think you covered it pretty extensively on the offensive end. It seems to be it's not just one person. It's really everyone. I think, you know, for a majority of the game, Ryan Willis played well. Uh, he did what he had to do. Uh, and it is tough because you you are trying to look at these players in, in isolation and, and kind of grade their performances. But at the same time, it's, you know, Ryan Willis is going to be more successful with a better running game and, and vice versa. The running game is going to excel when the defense has to drop back and worry about coverage a little bit more. Um, but one moment I know is a controversial one was, was the Keyshawn King benching. And my perspective of it, it was a simple stretch play to the outside. The offensive line kind of didn't know who to block. Keyshawn King goes down. He doesn't fumble the ball. They ruled him down via forward progress. But I know that a lot of people were expecting to see a lot of Keyshawn King have this kind of be his breakout game. He did get his first career touchdown in the first half. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on the way that the coaching staff handled Keyshawn King. Do you think it was a good thing as, as a teaching point or do you see it as kind of a negative that you know, why are you doing this to a guy that's supposed to lead your running back room when the coaching staff wouldn't necessarily take out Ryan Willis when he's underperforming? You know, I think that the consistency or lack thereof is really kind of what I have the most issue with. Uh, and uh, you kind of hit a little bit with Ryan Willis, but I understand that he's a starting quarterback. Yes, he underperformed against Boston College, but that's an ACC game. You have to win. He's the best option to win. I can somewhat see that. Um, but when you go back and look, you know, Virginia Tech uh, under Justin Fuente has been very quick to sit someone down if they've made a mistake, if they've had a fumble especially. That's been kind of the, the, the Justin Fuente calling card. You fumble, you're going to sit for an extended period of time. 
Um, you know, if I agree or don't agree with it, that kind of depends on the situation. I, I, I'm not sold one way or the other that it's best for the player to sit them or to not sit them. But I think what we saw last week against Boston College that really kind of shocked me a little bit. And then fast forward to uh, to Saturday that, you know, it was, was very surprising was Hezekiah Grimsley's punt return against Boston College. He fumbled it, recovered by Boston College. The next punt return, he trots right back out there, knowing that uh, Tavion Robinson is a viable option that can be back there as well and has already shown as a, as a wide receiver that he has big playability. So the the throwing of Hezekiah Grimsley right back into the mix with no sitting due to a fumble, and then next week, the next week you have Keyshawn King. Uh, did he fumble? Did he not fumble? You know, it, that's kind of up for discussion, but the, he didn't come up from the pile with the ball. The ball came out. Now, it was it was called forward progress. Possibly his knee was down. But in a situation like that, anytime there's a fumble like that, you don't want it to go to video review because it's so inconsistent across all of college football that that could have been called one way or another, you know, in any given day on any different given team on any given play. Um, so, you know, I think that in the heat of the moment, he goes down, he doesn't come up with the ball. You might be thinking Justin Fuentes on the sideline with a sigh of relief. We just got away with a fumble, come over, sit your, your freshman running back down because that's the, the mold you've set forward. That's the precedent that you set forward, excluding Ryan Willis and Hezekiah Grimsley. That's the precedent you set forward over the last four years of if you fumble, you're going to sit. Now, do do I think that uh, that it's beneficial to sit a, a player that fumbles? It, it all depends on the player, and it all depends on where you are in the uh, in the game and who you're you're playing against. Um, but you know, in this situation, I would have probably sat him for a series, talked to him, had Zon Burden in his ear, had him on the on the phone in the booth with uh, with Brad Cornelson, had him talking to maybe Vance Vice, Justin Fuente. Everybody just kind of giving their thoughts, giving him some reinforcement, preferably some positive reinforcement. And then after the, that series he sets it, I would throw him right back out there and give him the ball. Nothing gives a running back confidence more than getting opportunities. Now, he did get a chance to get back in the game later. There were a lot of people that thought he sat for the rest of the game. That didn't happen. He did come back in later in the game and actually had his first play back was a uh, option to pitch to him on the outside or Ryan Willis keeps it. Willis decided to keep it and, and uh, you know, ran up the middle. Had he pitched it, Keyshawn King possibly could have taken that to the house. He looked like he was wide open. He looked like the field was, was, uh, was his for the taking. Willis didn't pitch it to him. Had Willis pitched it, I think we're talking a completely different situation. I think the tides would have changed a little bit in the post game from why isn't, uh, you know, why wasn't Keyshawn playing to Keyshawn set for a little while and came back and scored a second touchdown or had another big play. I think that there were, uh, were some times out there. I, I don't want to take away some teaching moments. I think that that's important in the game of football, but. Uh, you know, once that once that message has been driven home, you got to give your guys the ball and give them an opportunity to make plays. I think uh, you know Keyshawn King's a guy that's one of the most talented players on Virginia Tech's uh, 
football roster right now. So if you can ride him, ride him. I understand that he's a freshman and I understand that mistakes happen, but he's a guy that can really be dynamic and kind of change the game a little bit. So if he has an opportunity, I would, uh, I would throw him right out there again. And, and that's just the way that I would handle it. But I think going into the, the game against Furman this week, I expect to see him uh, a heavy amount of him. I know that it's something that was taken to heart. Don't turn the ball over. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to play stiff because of it. I think he's, you know, a loose hearted guy. He kind of plays uh, all out no matter what. I don't think it's going to really mess with his mental ability or his, uh, his confidence in any, at any level. But I do think that, uh, it, you know, if I were Justin Fuente, I would have handled it a little bit different. I completely agree with your take. I think one more layer to it, which really isn't the case with the situation is that normally when you have a young running back, a f- true freshman running back that is expected to be that guy. And I, I would understand if it were to, to keep him out of harm's way to kind of limit his touches so he doesn't take too much of a beating. He's not, you know, the biggest back. But but like you were saying, it just the consistency of the approach that, you know, I like the fact that they kept in Ryan Willis. I know he was struggling, but again, like I said last week, uh, he led a touchdown drive at the very end of the game after committing all those turnovers. So it's kind of sending that message that, that go and show me why I can trust you and and, you know, the same with Ezekiah Grimsley. Um, and it just didn't, you know, Deshaun McLeese also had a fumble and it didn't seem to be the case with him. And I know in years past that if he fumbled the ball, you wouldn't see him for a long time. So um, it, it just seems a bit too inconsistent. I don't think it's as big of a deal as it was made out to be. I think the biggest deal that was made out of it was if he was hurt or not. Um, so, you know, to know that he's completely fine, that he'll continue to have a sizable role, especially without Jalen Holston in there, you know, it's really up to Deshaun McLeese and Keyshawn King to kind of carry the load for the offense in the ground game. So like you said, you know, we'll see what happens against Furman, but it could have been a good teaching moment. You know, we'll never know. We'll see how he responds next week. One more controversial point and maybe, you know, there's nothing there, but there has been a lot of talk about what's going on with Damon Hazleton. Uh, you know, we understand that he's dealing with a hamstring issue. You know, just to just to give the people peace of mind, what can you tell us about him? And, you know, are, are people looking too far into it? Is he just hurt or do you believe that something's going on behind the scenes? You know, with a guy like Damon Hazelton, you, you never 100% know. Um, and, and that's not a knock on him. That's just the kind of guy that he is. Uh, and I think anybody who has ever played sports kind of understands that, that there are always some guys that kind of take things a little bit looser, kind of take uh, practices a little less serious. And, you know, when the game uh, game comes on, you're ready to rock and roll. You're ready to play and you can produce and, and uh, you know, play at a high level. Um, and he's one of those kind of guys. You know, he's the guy that might be over there dancing in the corner or, what, or might be, uh, you know, talking a, lot of, talking a lot of trash during practice and then you go out and, and you know, house somebody for, uh, for a big touchdown or, or a big catch on the sidelines. But, you know, he, he for the time he's been at Virginia Tech, he's had a couple of, of injury issues. 
a hamstring has been one. It nagged him throughout all of last year, uh, and, and it was a little bit of a nagging injury in camp. I do think that this is a little bit of Justin Fuente protecting his player. I think that there is uh, a little bit of a doghouse situation, in my opinion. I think that that Damon Hazleton is healthy enough to play. I think if we're looking at the ACC championship game last week or this week, I think he plays. 100%. I think if it's a, a, a big bowl game, he plays. If it's Miami or Notre Dame, he plays. I don't think it's an injury that is keeping him out. I know that there were times during fall camp where he seemed to be good to go. Uh, you know, it was it was rumored that he would be cleared to pr- to practice and practice and play, and there would be times where he wouldn't play to his ability, or he would take himself out and limit his reps. Mm-hmm. Maybe his that was his him and his body. Maybe his body was telling him he can't go. But it always does make you wonder when things like that happen. Of is this somebody who is not taking it serious enough? Is this somebody that could be hurting the team by doing this? And is this something that you want to put your foot down as a coach and say, we are not going to allow this to happen? Now, you know, Justin Fuente came out last week and said, oh, he's going to play against Old Dominion. No, no question about it. He was confident in that answer. Then he comes out and says, well, on Tuesday, he tweaked his hamstring again. And he may have. You know, we heard, we heard through our channels that he was practicing and he was fine throughout the week. Now, maybe he did get hurt. Maybe maybe through our channels we're talking about Sunday's practice and Monday's practice, and you know, maybe it just nobody really realized he wasn't going 100% throughout the week, and it is being held out for an injury issue. But in my opinion, whether or not his hamstring is, is, is injured, I think that this is a little bit outside of an injury holding him out. And if this was a big-time game, a big-time contest, uh, you know, I, 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 he was dressed for the season opener on the sidelines. You're not going to dress. You're not going to take up a travel spot if you're not going to play. Uh, you know, so I think he thought 100% he would be playing in that opener, and he didn't. I think that that's a doghouse situation. I think this is Justin Fuente possibly sending a message to his team and sending a message for the second week in a row. Now, I don't think he's going to be held out for a long time. I would expect him back. If he's not back by Furman, I definitely expect him back by Duke, um, especially with the bye week here, if it is an injury. But I'm very suspicious of if it's an injury. Uh, if if the way I'm looking at it, you know, if it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. And I think that he has an issue of possibly uh, getting in the doghouse with Justin Fuente for whatever reason and uh, is not playing because of it. Yeah, I mean, we saw a little bit of it last year. I know he was, you know, a little bit injured. Again, how injured was he? Who knows? But, you know, missed a little bit of time towards the end of the season. Uh, You know, it's a shame with a guy with that much talent and with that much production, uh, you would love to see him out there as a fan. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I think it's important to distinguish that, you know, there's, there's two sides to everything that, that it, it is important to note it, but at the same time, you know, maybe not all the blame should be on Justin Fuente for this. You never really know what's going on there. All we all we really know is that there's a potential injury and he's not playing for whatever reason. So I'm at Boston College, fully dressed and, and yet just didn't even play. So 
Um, you know, it's it's an interesting case. I'm with you. I don't think it goes on too much longer. I think there's there's a chance we see him against Furman. If not, you know, uh, Virginia Tech should be able to handle Furman. It shouldn't really matter. At the same time, you kind of want to bring closure to the whole thing. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. The last thing about the game that I really want to get your take on is is kind of what happened in the second half in regards to the defense. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, if you want to go by position groups or or whatever it is, you know, I thought they did a very solid job in the first half. It seemed like it was pretty much wrapped up at halftime, and then all of a sudden, you know, Old Dominion drives down the field twice, scores touchdowns. Virginia Tech looks out of sorts defensively. What's your take on it? You know, I think that there's a couple things that I I would look at, and and the first thing I look at is anybody who has followed any type of Old Dominion football going into this year, this season is much different for them than in the past. A lot of people who have ever watched Old Dominion always think of Taylor Heineke, um, or some you know quarterbacks like that, and they're going to air it out. Even Virginia Tech's game last year when the Hokies lost to ODU. They're going to air the ball out. That's what they do. That's what uh, you know. their offensive coordinator has always done. They've got a really good quarterback coach down there. This year they bring in a guy from, from the junior college ranks that's a dual threat. He's a mobile guy. He's big-bodied. Uh, you know, gone are the Taylor Heineke, Shuler, Bentleys of Old Dominion, and now you have this, this, uh, this guy that is re- – I mean, he's – Kind of like a like a tight end playing uh, playing quarterback. He's tough to bring down. He runs hard and he's mobile. I think a little bit of that possibly could have caught Virginia Tech off guard because there was no real film on this kid. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of idea of what they would do, how they would handle, uh, you know, how Old Dominion changed from being a spread offense to really being a, a dual quarterback uh, offense with centered around him keeping the ball a lot. Um, you know, I think that in the second half, uh, a lot of Virginia Tech players seem to have a little bit of a cramping issue. Uh, we've seen that across all of college football over the last few days. I was, you know, watching some other games Saturday night under Florida State had an issue with it. I've seen Miami have an issue with it. North Carolina was having issues with it. This is not just a Virginia Tech issue, but I think that there were some cramping issues that were going on. I think the defensive line really just kind of wore down. And I think if you're a Virginia Tech fan, that should be worrisome um, because you're playing against, you know, a Conference USA team that, not to take anything away from Old Dominion, uh, but they don't have the talent that ACC, ACC teams have or teams like Notre Dame have. So, you know, when you look at the defensive line that starts to wear down against Old Dominion, what are they going to do when they have to play Notre Dame, what are they going to do when they play Miami or a Duke or a Pittsburgh who is going to, you know, be very physical against them or even a UVA, you know, how will they be able to hold up an entire game, um, you know, against teams like that. But, you know, Virginia Tech, the one thing that I would have done in this game that, that I didn't really notice if I'm was Bud Foster is I would have possibly brought out Dax Hollyfield and put in, Alan Tisdale. I think he covers a little bit better. He's a little bit quicker. He may not pack as much of a punch when he hits as Dax does because he's not as heavy. Uh, and, and, you know, he may be a little bit reckless, 
uh, where Dax is a lot smarter of a football player or a very smart football player. But Alan Tisdale might have been a, 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 an option there to uh, to kind of keep that quarterback a little bit more in the pocket and make him a little bit uncomfortable when he ran. I think that when you look across the whole defense, I was encouraged watching the, the corners. I thought that the corners played a, a, a good game. I think, uh, you know, Caleb Farley, he had one really stupid pass interference. But he, has, he also had a pass interference that I didn't agree with. I thought he played great coverage. Um, maybe he hooked him a little bit, but I, I didn't see it. I, Very I questionable. It was a, I think it was great coverage by him. I think we've seen him take, take a major leap this year. And Jermaine Waller played really well. Um, Divine Diablo continues to play well, in my opinion. I think Reggie Floyd was another, uh, you know, a little bit of a question during that game. I I liked that Justin Hamilton switched in Devin Hunter for a little defense, and, you know, he got his feet wet a little bit. I do think maybe he played a little bit reckless himself and, and kind of needed to play a little within himself a little bit and, and kind of slow down. But, you know, for a guy that's just now, after taking a redshirt year, getting back in, I can understand the excitement there. But, you know, my, my big takeaway from Virginia Tech's defense is where's the pass rush going to come from this season? What are they going to do uh, in the interior of the defensive line to to slow down the run game of other teams? I think that uh, you know Old Dominion had a great game plan going into the game. You know, I think that they wanted to go a little bit heavy with some tight ends, um, and I think that uh, that they were going to try and really establish a run game with. You know, I think Lala for Old Dominion is a really good running back. He ran hard against Virginia Tech, and then. Having the uh, the mobile quarterback, I think that uh, they really tried to take advantage of Virginia Tech's defensive line, who you know really haven't shown that they have a lot of strength in uh, in that position group right now, especially with Taiwan Garbutt out. And uh, you know, with if you can get past the uh, the defensive line, Rayshard Ashby, Dak Hollyfield, they're not exactly burners. So you know, if they can get outside, uh, you know, those guys or or get to the second level, you're going to pick up some big yards. And I think that that's, that's something that uh, Bud Foster needs to kind of figure out. And I think that's something that uh, Virginia Tech's defense needs to continue to grow and evolve throughout the season. Um, but, you know, with, with a mobile quarterback and stopping the run uh, with a guy like that, especially when there's not a lot of film on him, uh, you know, that's kind of Bud Foster's Achilles heel, always has been. Um, guys who come in and uh, – and maybe are the backup quarterback, but come in and, and run for a couple hundred yards and uh, really kind of make Virginia Tech defense look a little foolish. So, you know, I was there were some things that I was encouraged with, uh, especially in the first half. I liked that some some young players got rotated in. I, I think that Virginia Tech did a good job there, kind of sprinkling in some guys on the defense, even on the offense as well. Um, but, you know, the Hokies defense really did wear down, and that will probably cost them a game in the ACC if it keeps up. Yeah, and just to put a bow on Old Dominion, I know that we'll break down position ratings with Doug in just a little bit. Um, but there's, I think, in my opinion, there's two ways to look at it. One, on one hand, a win is a win. Doesn't matter, you know, there's encouraging signs, there's bad signs. Again, it's the beginning of the season. But it depends your outlook on everything. If, if if you're concerned with every little thing, yeah, this game might bug you a little bit because, you know, a, as much good as there was, there still was a lot to be desired. Um, at the same time, 
you know, you, you avoid embarrassment. Uh, you don't lose to Old Dominion. You get your revenge. Uh, you know, Eric Huma, Chris Cunningham. By the way, kudos to, to Eric Huma. He had a really, really nice tweet after the game just saying how much uh, he appreciates Bud Foster and, 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 and Virginia Tech and, and how it was a well-played game. So, you know, kudos to him. Hats off to him. But yeah, I think that's going to be the the story of the season. It's it, each game may not be pretty, and especially when you're playing so many youngsters. And, and it seemed like last year was supposed to be the year that that is so young, and you know, it's a year of of building and and getting these guys into new spots. This year, it seems like the answer to a lot of the problems that they saw last year is by inserting even newer talent. Uh, guys that are highly recruited, uh, guys that were big-time prospects, and, and inserting them into the lineup to kind of plug those holes. But, you know, at the same time, while they are talented, they will need time to kind of season. And, you know, it just feels like that so far through two games that the story of the season might be there's going to be a lot of good, there's going to be a lot of growing, but at the same time, there's going to be things to improve upon, uh, and there's going to be a lot of teaching moments. So, We'll see what happens next week with Furman, if it'll be a more complete game, more satisfying victory. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's pretty much it for, for Old Dominion. But speaking of prospects, uh, it's important to note that during uh, Saturday's action, uh, during, I believe it was right after the game, uh, Tyree Saunders, a wide receiver out of Jacksonville, Florida, number – 779 overall in the 24-7 composite rankings, committed to Virginia Tech. He's the second highest rated commit, and he's good friends with Keontae Jenkins, who's a three-star safety. Evan, we are recruiting-focused website. You're the point man in all the recruitments. What does Tyree Saunders bring to the Hokies as a wide receiver? Man, I'll tell you, I'm just excited that he finally did it. I mean, this was a guy that (laughs) – was was leaning hard to Virginia Tech for months. I uh, committed to Virginia Tech uh, about three and a half weeks ago or so. And it was always, you know, we were just waiting, just waiting for the news, waiting for him to have his moment um, because that's not, you know, we're not in the, in the, in the business of ruining a kid's, a kid's announcement. But, you know, this was, a, this was a guy that we'd just been waiting on for weeks to go ahead and just finally go public with his commitment to Virginia Tech. And, you know, he's a guy that I think he can play early at, at, in Blacksburg, and I don't think that he will need to play early, but I think he can play early. Uh, he's versatile. You know, he's got 4.57 speed. That's a laser time. Um, you know, hand time, he'd probably be in the high four fours. Um, but, you know, that's a that's a good, good time for a high school receiver. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that will stretch the field at the next level. He's not a pure burner. But he is a guy that runs clean routes. He has solid hands. He has good size. He comes from, uh, you know, a pretty good program, but an even better seven-on-seven program. Same seven-on-seven program that uh, produced Isaiah Ford, record setter at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, and I see some similarities there. They're all these guys. All at Pro Impact are, are coached really well. They're taught really well at the seven-on-seven level, and he's got good trainers and good coaches around him. He's a guy that. When you look at his versatility, reminds me a lot of a guy like Hezekiah Grimsley. Uh, you know, I think he might have a higher upside, 
than, than Grimsley had coming out of high school. But he's a guy that can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can return punts. He can return kicks. He, he just brings a lot to the table. I think he's one of those guys that will continue to uh, to increase his, his offers and increase his interest throughout his senior season. Um, he's locked in with Virginia Tech. He spent a few months committed to USF. Locked in with the Hokies. Big concern would be if Florida State offers. That's the one to watch out for. But right now, I'm not sure that the Seminoles go in on him. Not sure what they're going to do if uh, if they're going to have Willie Taggart at the helm for much longer as it is. Um, so hmm. they're kind of in a, in a in a sticky situation down there. So you know, for now, I think he's locked in. They're the school that I would watch out for. But I think he's a guy that. Uh, Hokie fans should be excited about continue to monitor him throughout his senior season because he's a, he's going to be a big time prospect in my opinion. Yeah, and conversations with him, I know it, it is you know Florida State is the one worry and you know big time in state program, but but through talking with him, it, it seemed like he wanted to leave the state of Florida. So you know those are two vastly different. Uh, options for him so we'll see what happens but you know he's good friends with Keonta Jenkins once again you know they they wanted to play together uh you know like you said he was supposed to commit a month ago so uh you know writing up an article that that said he wanted a chance at a national championship definitely looked brighter a month ago than it did posting on Saturday um but but it is what it is I mean what kid doesn't want to you know try to achieve their dreams and you know seeing how much it meant to him to to go to a, a big time program, and and I think you nailed it. I think he reminds me a lot of Ezekiah Grimsley, um, maybe a little faster. Who knows? Uh, with that, and like you're seeing this year with Ezekiah, you know he can play in the slot like he did for much of his career prior to this year, or he can play outside, and it looks like he's producing very well right now. Actually, the leading receiver. So um, yeah, he's he's a guy that that could play early. Uh, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room. Uh, you know, the big question will be who's throwing the ball down the line. But, uh, you know, that question best saved for another day. Uh, Evan, appreciate you as always talking Virginia Tech football and a little bit of recruiting. I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about recruiting as these podcasts keep coming out. Uh, we're going to switch over to Doug to kind of break into the player ratings for the game against Old Dominion. But Evan, once again, appreciate having you on. And maybe it's time to throw on those Crocs. Hey, you, and, you and Doug have a great conversation about fashion and, and Crocs. I'll be, uh, I'll be putting on my skinny jeans and, and going out all the town. I think that's even worse. But you know what, Evan? We'll, we'll, we'll check in with you soon. All right. We now have Doug Bowman on the line. Doug Bowman writes for vtscoop.com. He does all the previews. But, Doug, I want to get your thoughts on Old Dominion. Virginia Tech wins 31-17 to improve 1-1 one one on the year. We talked a lot about them last week in the preview. Unfortunately, it seems like my perspective of Fuente running up the score really didn't come true. At the end of the day, a win's a win. It's a positive development. Um, but there is a lot to be desired, I'm sure. We'll hear a lot of it in the next few minutes. I do want to jump into player ratings again. So the way it works is it'll be on a scale of 1 to 10. We'll start off with your thoughts on quarterback. Yeah, so Ryan Willis, and, and I guess we can count Hooker in there. He got a couple of stats. I give him a 6, um, which is 
better than last week, I think. You know, 16 completions, 270-something yards, two touchdowns, obviously, I already mentioned. No interceptions, which is exactly what you were looking for after week one. Um, obviously, the one fumble late drew Fuente's ire, and he got benched for it, and also it was a little banked up, apparently. I thought he had a couple throws that, you know, he was either laid on or especially the slant passes, and he completed a ton of slant passes, but I still felt like one or two of them, he, he kind of got lucky that the defense was a step slow um, on, on some of those. So, you know, he wasn't throwing three interceptions, but and, and came up with two two touchdown passes. So those are the positives and negatives are you still kind of feel like you know, at any point there could be a turnover. So, you know, we're looking for consistency week to week here from Willis going forward. Um, so we'll see if he can keep it going against Furman. Yeah, I, I had the, the same score as you. Uh, I thought that was a pretty classic game from Willis that he does a lot of good. Granted, it's against a defense like Old Dominion. Uh, I thought he could have put up better statistics and you definitely don't want to see that fumble. Uh, that was a weird play in general. Uh, I thought I thought initially that he came off the field with a concussion, um, but as it turns out, it was Fuente yelling at him to go down. He didn't go down, fumbles the ball, gets benched immediately after, throws on the headset. We were talking about last week with both you and Evan that we expected to see both quarterbacks play. and. Obviously, you don't want to see Hendon Hooker in that capacity coming in for a mistake from Ryan Willis. You'd rather see him come in because the game is already out of reach and and for Virginia Tech, and he's coming in to kind of showcase what he has. Um, you know, I was a little disappointed that he wasn't entrusted to throw the ball at all. Um, and I understand it was late in the fourth quarter. You know, the the game is already – you kind of have to run out the clock and just escape with a win at that point, uh, which explains why you just ran the ball. But I was a little disappointed not to see him throw. I hope that next week, especially against Furman, we'll see, obviously talk about the preview later that he gets that chance. Um, but I do want to move over to the running backs. Now this one is going to be, this one's going to be interesting all season long. I, I personally had them at a four out of 10. Um, I just didn't think there was much there. It, it might be a long season if they can't figure it out these next few weeks, especially against Furman next week and Duke after the bye week. It just feels like there's too much talent, both on the offensive line and and with Keyshawn King, even with Deshaun McLeese, who's been there, he's done it. Um, you know, it's it just, it seems like, it's it's factors of both the offensive line and the running backs that there's either not enough blocking, there's not enough space, or that maybe the running backs just can't make guys miss. I mean, who knows? And and I know a lot of people were unsettled by the play calling, um, which is a bit harder to go into, especially in the run game. I just think that if it's not working, you can easily point to the play calling, say that it's not working, you know, try something different. Maybe try a package for Hendon Hooker when Ryan Willis isn't benched. Um, so it's easy to criticize when it doesn't work, but it just seems like there's just against a team like Old Dominion that you should be able to run the ball. But I want to hear your thoughts. 
Yeah, Adam at four too, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought up the offensive line, kind of going hand in here, hand in hand here with the struggles. I don't think it's all on Deshaun McLeese and Keshawn King, you know, not being good running backs. I think it's not all on the offensive line, not being good offensive linemen. You know, they they go hand in hand together. You know, McLeese got the majority of the carries, had a couple decent drives, but. He's never going to be an every down back and a back that you can give the ball to 20 to 25 times a game. Um, I, I, I really think Sean King is the best. He's the best back on the roster. He should get the most carries done for it. And, you know, you were talking a little bit about running backs and making people miss and how helpful that would be, particularly if the offensive line is going to, is going to struggle to, to consistently open up bowls, being able to, you know, make, Make some make someone miss and make something out of nothing. Kind of seems like King is definitely the best back for that. Um, obviously, he got benched after his near fumble, almost fumble, whatever you want to call it. Whether that was the right decision has gotten a lot of discussion here in the last couple of days. Um, you know, I think if it if it prevents a fumble, if it allows him to focus on the next two weeks on not fumbling and, you know, it's taught him just how much Fuente values that. And King comes through ACC play as the top back. I think, you know, nobody's going to look back at that decision harshly at all. Um, so I just want to see more Keyshawn King going forward, basically. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on Keyshawn King. I think maybe Virginia Tech fans are a little spoiled to think that he can carry such a big load early on in his career. I know it's unlike most freshmen to to really have meaningful roles on on teams that people believe can contend for their conference titles. So, um, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with his development obviously not playing for, you know, pretty much the rest of the game after that near fumble or hitting the ground whatever it was, whatever you want to classify it as. So we'll see what, what happens with his development forward. Of course, people want to see him streaking down the sideline for 90-yard runs. I, I just don't know if that's a possibility at this point. Uh, but let's move over to the pass catchers, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. This, this seems like it's going to be a bright spot. And for the focal point of recruiting in the past several classes, it seems like it should be. So what did you give them as a grade? I had him at a seven this week. Pretty good performance all the way around. Um, Davion Robinson and Trey Turner led the way. I think that's going to be a trend this year. I think those two are going to get a lot of looks in basically every single game. Hezekiah Grimsley had a great touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. Had another big catch and run there in the first half. Um, I thought Phil Patterson probably played the best game of his Virginia Tech career so far. So from the receivers, I thought it was a you know, pretty solid game. The game of seven. I still think getting Damon Hazelton back would be huge in terms of I mean, the guy caught was the twelve passes for hundred and thirty yards against Notre Dame last year. That's a he's a one A wide receiver. Um I think that'll really that'll really help Turner and particularly get loose. Um so looking forward to getting him back. The tight ends I, you know, you didn't really notice so much. James, James Mitchell had that one nice catch and run early. Nothing for Dalton Keene. I saw Nick Gallo out there a lot, um, particularly in the second half. You know, I, I think it's always hard to judge 
the more traditional tight ends like Don Keen, when he doesn't catch a pass, he obviously was out there doing more. I think he got banged up a little bit there throughout the game. Um, Mitchell's one catch in particular shows just what he can do when he does get the ball, now whether they can get him involved along with the rest of the receivers you know, more often. I think that'll be big. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. I said 7 out of 10. The Grimsley catch was unreal. Uh, I didn't check Sports Center. Hopefully it was one of the top 10 plays. Uh, it was a nice performance by Filthy Phil Patterson. Uh, it's great to see him actually in action. And uh, I know he's had a couple of spectacular catches. I think he had one against Duke either last year or two years ago maybe. Um, and then one-handed catch in the spring game. So you want to see more out of him, more consistency. And he kind of showed that. I think uh, Caleb Smith and Tavion Robinson are welcomed additions, uh, especially Tavion. I believe he's the leading wide receiver in terms of touches, um, Ezekiah in terms of yards. Uh, Trey Turner looks like, like you said, it, he's still kind of gaining confidence and you know he's being inserted into that number one role. I think he thrived last year being the number two. Uh, with with Hazelton kind of stealing most of the attention and the defensive coordinator's prep. So I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens with this hamstring. It's weird to, you know, the, the first player I saw at Boston College running around and hyping up the crowd was Damon Hazelton. So, you know, you, you hope there's not more there outside an injury. And then with the tight ends, it's just a matter of, uh, maybe Ryan Willis isn't going through his progressions. Maybe Keen is just solely a blocker now. And, and Mitchell is going to be used as a tight end screen kind of guy. We'll see. But, um, you know, definitely want to see them get some more touches, especially in these in these next few games. Uh, I want to shift the focus now to the offensive line. Now, this one I was very critical of. I said four out of ten. I was debating with the three out of ten. I like seeing Brian Hudson. Granted, I'm didn't think he would be at center. Uh, Doug Nestor at right guard starting uh, was was a nice sight for a guy that's supposed to be the anchor of the offensive line for a long time, especially such a highly rated recruit playing so early. Of course, there was injuries at both the center position with Zachariah Hoy and right guard with TJ Jackson. We mentioned it last week. I would not be surprised if there was shuffling, and there was. I mean, both players were hurt. Both players were in boots. So um, with the offensive line in general, you can tell that they're talented. It's just this seems like the youngest offensive line that I've personally ever seen. Um, and then when you look at the guys that have the experience, uh, Lasita Smith, I didn't think had a great game whatsoever. Uh, I thought he was very below average. Um, he was talking about in the press conference today how there's there's certain techniques in in the run game that that he's struggling with or that, you know, maybe fans don't see. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about execution. It's about paving the way for your running backs, protecting your quarterback. I know they only gave up one sack, but it, it just seems like there's a lot to be desired there. And maybe this is going to be the story, same as the running backs all season long, that, you know, you, you have young guys, you have talent at, at both running back and on the offensive line, but it's just going to take, time for them to develop and unfortunately just you know with Virginia Tech fans the way they are maybe just the ones on our board 
they don't seem patient enough to to really let them progress. But I want to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, I had him a little a little better than than he did. I had him at a five simply because they've given Ryan Willis time to throw the ball. That's two games in a row now. Um, I don't think pass protection is as much of a concern. It's obviously the strength. Um, you touched on the rest of it. The run blocking is obviously where everything needs to improve and is, is really going to make a difference You know, over the next 10 games um, if for Game Tech to make a run out of Coastal title this year. Yeah, so let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I'll let you cover the defensive line. Five sacks, encouraging. What are your thoughts? Uh, Adam at a five. Um, I think, you know, the defensive ends were better. I thought Jalen Griffin was, you know, more impressive than Javion Beckton or Eli Adams. Emmanuel Belmar I thought was better. Um, But then again, this is what we were talking about earlier completely evaporated against the run in the second half. And, you know, that, that allowed ODU to get back into the game. So, you know, only one solo tackle from Jared Hewitt. I think they need a lot more out of him, out of at defensive tackle. Um, and I think Rob Porsche, Porsche first came back, you know, he missed the first one against Boston College. I thought he was um, really good in his limited time. So I'm excited to see what he can do against Furman next week and then going forward into ACC play. Yeah, I expect uh, a lot of rotation out of the defensive linemen. It just seems like all of them have their strengths, all of them have their weaknesses and maybe more glaring than others. Um, But it just seems like they're looking for the right formula, as is the offensive line. We already touched on that. But it just seems like Charlie Wiles is, is looking for a main group to really, you know, find pressure. But also defend the run you know against Boston College they did a tremendous job against AJ Dillon and then you look at the pass rush and it it was invisible and then you know now they start they get a few sacks they look okay in pressure I wouldn't say good or great or even solid Um, but then the collapse in the second half against the run you know at halftime I was like well you know this defensive performance isn't too bad and then somehow, some way, you know, it just it felt like shades of last year. So, uh, yeah, I had him. I had him a, around like a five. So, um, again, you know, we'll see. Young group, everywhere is young, but we'll see if they can uh, continue to progress. Uh, for the linebackers, I had them at a six out of ten. Uh, I thought Rayshard Ashby. I'm going to keep saying it every week. I think he's the best player on defense. Another strong performance. Yeah, sometimes he's not great in space, but he's just – he's reliable. He's a guy that when he goes in for a tackle, he's going to bring the guy down. And um, when looking at some of the other linebackers on the field, Dax Hollyfield in particular, he looked just a bit overwhelmed. And quite frankly, a lot of the plays in, in looking at the replay of it, he was physically taken out of the game. And I think that was a scary sight that he was being outmatched physically by a team like Old Dominion, especially when you consider how crucial the ACC slate will be this year. You know, I was not impressed at all by him. I was a little surprised that Alan Tisdale didn't get more looks there. I understand Bud Foster said today 
um, that he didn't want to throw in Tisdale cold. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's a motivation thing. Maybe, you know, um, throwing, throwing a guy like Dax out there continually to, to kind of teach him that lesson that even when you're playing bad, that you have to fight through it. Um, but, but I just didn't see him kind of turn that corner. Um, I'll throw in whip. I guess we can throw in whip from now on into the linebacker category. I think Chamari Connor's a dude. I mean, I, I'm personally so high on him. I, I don't think that he's had the best two performances, but I think that you see something there athletically that really gives you hope that he can lock down the position for a long time. Uh, he had one sack, I believe. Um, and, you know, overall, I just I, with him, I'm confident that he's going to get much better throughout the season. And, you know, he seems like a guy that can eventually turn into a very, very solid player for Virginia Tech. Yeah, I think you covered a lot there. I I was I had him at a four, um, the linebackers, and, and I guess we'll throw in the whip. You know, Rayshard Ashby had 10, 10 tackles. Um, pretty, pretty standard day for him leading the team in tackles. I, you know, you, you covered. He's, he's definitely the best player on the defense right now, although he was one of the guys that I saw in highlights after grasping at the ankles of ODU running backs in the second half. So you'd like to see a little more consistency there. But, you know, obviously that goes back to the rest of the defense as well. I thought you hit the nail on the head on Dax. Um, you know, he had one solo tackle and seven assisted tackles, so he's not out there necessarily making plays that game. I thought it was interesting they didn't play Alan Tisdale. If they didn't want to bring him in cold, then I mean, you have to bring him back up to cold. They brought him in cold last game, obviously. Yeah. Get him some time, um, but it almost feels like they're going to let Dax kind of work through and and develop just kind of trial by fire. I mean, he people he played a ton last year, but if you look at it, he only started six games. So you throw in two more games here in 2019, and he's got eight starts under his belt. So he's not even through a full you know 12 game season. So I think I'm actually fine with in a game like that, letting him kind of work through it and. You know, if he's going to struggle, if he's going to, you know, if he's not having his best day, yeah, you'd rather have it be at ODU and have him work through it and work through it and probably do do so again against Furman before we get into ACC play. I, I will say on the linebackers, you know, given the lack of a pass rush or a consistent pass rush from the front four here against Furman, I think would be a really interesting opportunity to see what Amari Barno can do just in kind of a pass rushing specialist role if he, if you know with his kind of six foot six frame is there a role for him you know on a third and long against the Miami or Pittsburgh down the road that can make a difference and I think Furman's really the last opportunity to try and see what he can do you know in a, in a role like that so I think that's one of the things I'll be looking for this week in particular yeah I'm glad you brought that up obviously with his blend of size and athleticism you know, he seems like a, a Tremaine Edmonds clone almost. So we'll see, you know, how he can be utilized, if he will be utilized. I understand because he's coming over from Juco, he got in a little bit late, so he's still catching up per se. But, you know, we'll see what happens with him if they decide to play him. 
Uh, I'll give you the defensive backs unit. What were your thoughts on them? I rated them pretty highly. I had them at seven. Um, I thought your man Waller was really, really good. And I wrote in my preview that it'll, that'll, it'll probably be out by the time that this gets posted, but I'm pretty close to flipping. You know, we're used to saying Farley and Waller. I might, I might start saying Waller and Farley here. Given Waller the nod as the number one corner, I thought he was fantastic all day. Farley had a couple pass interferences. You know, one of those was probably iffy, I'd say. Like, I mean, that's one of the things that is always going to happen with corners. I still think he's a lot better than last year um, and is going to continue to get better going forward. Divine Diablo and Reggie Floyd, you know, they were decent. And yeah, I think Reggie Floyd still is, and I think Diablo was guilty too in the second half, just like Ashby, you know, getting getting beat in the in at the second level on the ground and, and you know i think that's what allowed ODU to kind of extend all those drives to, to, that allowed them to pull within seven um so I, so I gave the defensive backs a seven overall mostly on the backs of jermaine waller um i'd like to see more out of the safeties in terms of production and consistency and that kind of thing i did like how devin hunter got a little bit of time there i think that's great for his development um but i think particularly Diablo and Floyd, they need to step up and become impact players on this defense. If, you know, going once we get into ACC play, if if Virginia Tech is going to want to compete. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered it all. And that is an interesting point about, you know, establishing it as Waller and then Farley. I think Floyd and Diablo, they're supposed to be the alpha guys of the group. And, I wouldn't say Floyd has necessarily lived up to the number one jersey if they're creating hype around it, whatever. Um, so definitely looking for them to rebound, uh, maybe play a little more consistently. Again, it's tough because when you're looking at all these position groups and you're looking at these individual players, you're kind of isolating them from the rest of the defense. How much of it is because of a non-existent pass rush or uh, or even just looking at the second half in general when everyone's kind of struggling. So it is tough. Um, but again, you know, we're doing our best here to to kind of break down every single element. Um, and the last element of the team is special teams. Now, you already you briefly talked about it in, in your overview of the game. Uh, I had them at a 6 out of 10. That might be a little high now that I'm thinking about it. Um, There's no fumbles, which is the bright spot. Um, Oscar Bradburn, once again, 69 yard punt, not surprised whatsoever. He's a legend. He is, he is just, (laughs) he is always just so consistent. Uh, he did have one touchback, but two out of his three punts were inside the 20. Again, you probably shouldn't be seeing too much of Oscar Bradburn against a team like Old Dominion. Um, but when he was in there, he looked good. Um, Brian Johnson made a field goal, but he also missed one. Uh, it's understandable. I, I would say it's understandable to miss a 54 yarder. I mean, it's not every college kicker is <laughs> going to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to take off a point cause you missed one. Uh, the pod return I think is going to continue to just be non-existent. Honestly, uh, there's just uh, between, it, it just seems like the, the, the way that Virginia tech wants to play special teams Without a guy that's as explosive or electric as Greg Stroman and who can be trusted to constantly not make mistakes, 
it seems like now the the punt return unit in particular is all about safety rather than making plays that they just want to give the offense the ball if that's fair catching it every time I think the coaching staff is content with that I don't know if fans will be but it is what it is um and then you alluded to it the kick return I guess you know Wheatley had that 71 yard return I thought that he was going to go untouched and eventually got caught so uh, that was a positive development. Hopefully he can stay healthy and, and continue to to give a spark to that unit. Um, but that pretty much covers it all on both sides of the ball and for special teams against Old Dominion. I do want to preview next week, Furman coming into town one and one. It looks like they're going to throw in the triple option. Now we all thought we were done with that with Paul Johnson retiring in the offseason but it looks like they're going to bring it back in Blacksburg. And I don't know how I feel about it, but it seems like it's a, it's a bit different. You know, they're going to, they're going to run two thirds of the time past the other third. Uh, You know, they've, they've scored 40 plus points in two weeks and they're number 13 in the FCS polls. So it seems like they're a bigger threat than old dominion, which can be a little worrisome, but I want to hear your complete thoughts the stage is yours. What can you tell us about them next week? All right, whenever you're ready, you can go. Yeah, I think, you know, what you said about them being a, a, a bigger threat than Old Dominion is, is accurate, I think. Given their offense, they are that triple option. They'll throw a little spread. They'll front a little triple option from the shotgun. It's going to be a really interesting game in terms of seeing what they do offensively. Their head coach, Clay Hendricks, is from Air Force, which kind of revolutionized the, you know, the triple option that the service academies typically run, and he kind of took it, or Troy Calhoun kind of took it and said, we're going to throw a little bit of the spread offense that the rest of the country is doing it. So I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the Virginia Tech defense. Um, you know, you mentioned 40 points and both of their games, um, their quarterback, Darren Granger, he's a redshirt freshman, so he's young, but he's been really good. Four touchdowns um, in their 48-42 to 42 loss last week. Um, if you like points, I think we're going to get some in this one just based off that. Uh, I think Georgia State scored on six. They scored points on seven consecutive possessions to win that game. They scored touchdowns on six straight. So... I think we might get some fireworks here, but Granger, he's a six foot four, one hundred and eighty five pound redshirt freshman. So, you know, when you're looking at Stone Smart last week as kind of a bigger, more physical runner, Granger is gonna be a little more elusive, which is gonna be interesting to watch how Virginia Tech contains him. Um I think he had nine carries for sixty three yards, so he's gonna run a little bit. Uh they'll throw four or five running backs on the field, obviously, with a triple option. You get those three backs, the, the wing backs and the B backs. Um, Devin Wynn is their leading rusher. He left them in rushing last year. He's back again this year. He's going to get about 15 carries, and he'll probably rush for about 80 to 100 yards, and then they'll sprinkle in the rest of their guys behind them. Um, their wide receiver, they basically have one wide, wide receiver, which is kind of like how Georgia Tech used to run it with, you know, Demary Thomas and whoever else they had over the years. But Thomas Gordon is an all-conference um, receiver for them, and he's 
but by far going to be their most targeted receiver, which is going to be one of my areas to watch is kind of how Virginia Tech defends him. Is it going to be Jermaine Waller? I think uh, Furman is going to want to get Caleb Farley on him. We'll, we'll see if Virginia Tech gives either of those guys some help over the top. So I think that's definitely an area to watch. I think I think Gordon can test either one of those, so it'll be a good matchup for him. Um, you know, Furman's led by their offensive line. I think that's the biggest area to watch when considering Virginia Tech's young and inexperienced and up-and-down defensive line. They bring all five starters back from last year. Um, their left tackle, Bo, Bo Taylor, he's 6'7", 290. Um, he was an all-conference guy last year, so I think anytime you look at a left tackle who's 6'7", 290, you know, that, that's a frame that, you know, he could play on Sundays maybe if he keeps it up. Um, so I think this offense is going to be um, it's going to be something, and I think they're going to put some points on the Virginia Tech defense that obviously has their struggles at times. Um, I thought ODU attacked the, the, the perimeter um, with some success you know, on sweeps and things like that. And that's, that's right, right in the wheelhouse for this kind of offense. So I'm really looking at what Diablo and Floyd and Waller and Farley can do in the run game. Once they start running those sweeps where the guy comes across the, across the field with, with momentum. So that's definitely an area I'm watching defensively. I don't think it's going to be as much of a problem. Um, There'll be a multiple look front, kind of like ODU. There'll be, you'll see two, three, four men. They have a nose tackle who's 255 pounds and five foot nine. I love it. Which is going to be really interesting to watch. Um, the guy next to him, the other defense tackle form is 270 pounds. The tech is going to have a huge size advantage up front. Um, I'm really looking forward to the picture of Luke Tenuta. Standing next to the five foot nine <laughs> um, nose tackle, which I think is a must for any photographer that's on the field on on Saturday. Um, in the secondary, Amir Trap is a transfer from Clemson, so he could be a decent cornerback. He plays a boundary, which if it's anything like Virginia Tech's boundary used to be, he's going to be on an island one on one on the wide side of the field. So if you're thinking. Trey Turner has an opportunity to have a big day against a five foot eight cornerback. You know, I think that's a pretty good idea. So I'm looking forward to a to a big day from Turner in particular, and probably the rest of the Virginia receivers. If Georgia State can play, can put 48 points on them, I don't think um, Virginia Tech should have much of an issue. Um, they do have an interesting backup quarterback named Callie Chizik, which if you'll Remember the former Auburn head coach, UNC defense coordinator, Gene Chizik. That's his son. So I think you'll definitely hear um, a reference to that on the broadcast on on Saturday. But, you know, I think I think Furman's got a chance to score points against Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech's got a chance to score many more points. I, you know, I, I think it's kind of like ODU where, you know, the offense might be able to compete and score a couple touchdowns and hang in there, but I, I just don't think their defense playing at Lane Stadium on the road against Virginia Tech, you know, I don't think their offense is going to be able to keep up enough with their with their defense, which is going to struggle. 
Yeah, and especially if they have a 5'9", 255 nose tackle. I mean, I know they played two games so far, but, um, again, it's a different beast when you're playing a, a Power 5 program. So we'll see what we see out of Furman. I think, unfortunately, you know, last week I was I was going off about how this it would be such a wide open game that Virginia Tech would win by multiple touchdowns. Hendon Hooker would be playing. Maybe Quincy would be in there. Um, but this one, you know, I'm I'm a little hesitant to predict that, especially against a team that that runs a, a multiple offense. You know, a little bit like you said, the triple option. A little bit they'll throw. So. You know, it is a little scary, and I'm glad I get to bring this name up, but scout team all week, I'm expecting a lot of Jacob Van Landingham. Now, if people don't know who he is, he's a walk-on wide receiver. They said he was the the quarter scout team quarterback that ran the triple option, and granted, Virginia Tech lost pretty badly to Georgia Tech last year, but... But, um, you know, the staff is really high on him and how he can prepare the team. So I think they're going to see a little bit of him. Maybe, you know, Braxton Burmeister's in there for the other sets. It's going to be an interesting week of, of preparation, especially the triple option. I'm sure the players hate it. I'm sure Bud Foster's like, you really had to do this to me in my last season, huh? But um, and- <laughs> I was going to bring up the, the Georgia Tech game from last year if you're – if you're still scarred from that one, this is going to be a little different. But you know, I think you got to be real concerned after. I don't, you know, I don't think Virginia Tech stopped Georgia Tech's triple option last year. So, are they any better this year? I think that'll be um, a little worrisome heading in. Obviously, they don't have. I wouldn't say they have the same talent as Georgia Tech. So, and and maybe they. But, you know, at the same time, I think you're right. It is a little worrisome. And I think that it, it's hard to really project against the triple option when Fuente has gone, what, 0-3 against them so far? So, um, yeah, we'll see. And then also to the point about scout team, I'm sure maybe we'll see a few more defensive line injuries because Brock is probably just trying to run through everyone right now. Um all jokes aside, hopefully everyone's okay. But, yeah, I mean, I, I want to hear your prediction for the game. Mine personally, um, I mean, I, I cannot see it being a blowout. Uh, at the same time, I think they'll execute a bit better. I think that, you know, Old Dominion at times played well defensively. Maybe it was just the inefficiencies of Virginia Tech. But I think a little bit of that will be cleaned up, I think, um, now that you, you're not shuffling offensive linemen as much, I think we'll see the same five as we saw last week and maybe a little bit of rotation between John Harris and, and Brian Hudson. But I think that, you know, with King playing a majority of the game and especially against uh, that defense, I saw a few highlights from both of their games. I mean, it, it looked like there was a lot of long runs. It looked like there was a lot of big plays. Um, but the same can be said about their offense. So, um, you know, I, w- I would say something in the realm of of 42-24-ish. I know that's a wide gap, but but that's what I'm thinking at the moment. It's only Tuesday night before game day, uh, before game day on Saturday, I should say. So, you know, maybe when when we release our predictions on 
on Friday or, or Saturday morning. It'll be a little bit closer. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts. If, if you had to predict this game right now, what are you saying? Uh, I agree with everything you said. I think it'll be, I was going to say 49 to 27. I think, like I said, Furman's going to score some points. I think Virginia Tech's going to score a ton of points. Um, all that defense. If you're a betting person, I don't know what the over-under here is, but I'm probably going to recommend hitting the over. Um, yeah, I think somewhere in the 49-27, 46-23, maybe even getting in the 50s with like a 55-31. to 31. Um, You know, I think Furman is coming in confident and you know, they know they know their offensive system and they know they can score and move the ball against Virginia Tech. So I think that's gonna to lead to some opportunities for them to score. But I think their their defense is gonna is gonna struggle just a little bit more and that'll allow, you know, the comfortable well, I don't know if it's gonna be comfortable because who knows how it's gonna shake out, but you know, a, a twenty point win, a couple touchdowns, three, four touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, that all that all sounds good, regardless if you're a Virginia Tech fan, if you're a Furman fan that stumbled upon this podcast, it should be a fun <laughs> game to watch offensively. Uh, we'll see what the outcome will be. Everyone should check out Doug's article. I believe it's coming out tomorrow on Wednesday. Is that correct? Yeah, it should be posted by the time this gets posted, I would assume. Wonderful. And then also check into our predictions for the game, which will come out later this week. But, Doug, as usual, it was wonderful to have you on to break down the position groups for Old Dominion and talk about Furman for next week. Uh, we'll have you on again next week, do the same drill, and hopefully Evan will take us to Key West for the bye week. All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, maybe if we say it, it'll be cemented, and, and then he can't say no. So everyone – should uh you know private message Evan and tell tell him to bring us down there because yeah we definitely deserve it right absolutely all right Doug thanks for checking in hey guys thanks for continuing to listen to the podcast I know this one's been quite the long one a lot of information from Evan a lot of discussion with Doug about Furman and also the old Dominion game but just to kind of bring a close to everything, I'd love to have a segment at the end of each podcast. I would love to call it Croc Talk with Matei, but unfortunately, we just aren't sponsored by them. So, you know, we'll call it Matei's takes for now. Uh, the first take I have looking forward ahead to Furman, the big storyline will be Damon Hazleton. Now, there's two ways to look at it. Right now, without him in the lineup, it's building experience for the backups. It's creating a good rotation. We've already seen Caleb Smith. We've seen Tavian Robinson. We've seen Ezekiah Grimsley on the outside. Uh, but at the same time, going into this season, it was supposed to be the Damon Hazleton and Trey Turner show to kind of build upon last year and really click with Ryan Willis to deliver the passing game that was promised so far, we haven't seen that. We talked a lot with Evan about whether it's a hamstring injury or if it's something more. I don't think it's time to to push the panic button just yet. You know, these games are very important, but 
But right now you're building a solid foundation in the wide receiver room who have performed accordingly. So yes, Damon Hazleton is desperately needed if Virginia Tech has any aspirations of trying to compete in the Coastal. Obviously, a lot of other things have to happen as well. The second take I have is the offense. It's year four. I joked in the beginning how it, it seems to be the third and 12 offense. But in all seriousness, I, I am looking for more progression, especially out of the offensive line and with the running backs. Deshaun McLeese and Keyshawn King have more than enough talent to produce against teams like this caliber. No disrespect to Furman or Old Dominion, but with the athleticism of the offensive line and the running backs going against a less talented defense in both of these teams, you should see a lot of plays on the outside and just haven't seen that yet. So we'll see if they can get something going against Furman. Speaking of the offensive line and kind of latching on to that last point, I expect to see the same starting five on the offensive line, you know, with Christian Derisaw, Lasita Smith, John Harris, Doug Nestor, and Silas Dezonzi. Um, maybe we'll see more action from Luke Tenuta and Brian Hudson. Uh, I know that Zachariah Hoyt is now out of his walking boot and uh, could potentially factor into center. Uh, but, but I do want to see more consistency from this group, uh, see the same – five start the game see them for a majority of the game if you need to take them out for different situations so be it but again there needs to be more consistency there at the same time now is the time to experiment with it all uh but time is quickly running out you know with the bye week approaching soon after that i expect to see a solidified starting offensive line Right now, it seems like there's a lot of pieces, a lot of depth, a lot of guys that can play and should play, but that rotation or even just the starting five of it all should really be ironed out soon so that the running backs, the quarterback can build consistency and trust with those players. Speaking of quarterback, Hendon Hooker, we saw him last week. Granted, it was not the situation that anyone of us expected to see him in. He came in after Ryan Willis fumbled the ball, looked like maybe he got banged up. Immediately after that play, Ryan Willis threw on the headset and was ready to be the guy that's calling the plays on the sideline. Uh, Fuente was irate at him uh, for not going down. Uh, but but with Hendon Hooker, there's no better time to see what he can bring to the offense. Now, Evan has harped on it. I don't necessarily agree with, with his take that Hendon Hooker should be the starter or starting the game to kind of teach Ryan Willis a lesson. Uh, I'm more in favor of if you mess up, give give a chance of redemption, work for it, don't just bail out. That's just my take on that. But with Hendon Hooker uh, against Furman, you know, Doug and I spoke about it, and we said that this game could be a lot closer than the Old Dominion game. But at the same time, you know, this is a, a defense that I think is much worse than Old Dominion, uh, which is saying something. Again, no disrespect, but just got to say it. And, you know, I would I would love to personally see Hendon Hooker answer a lot of the questions about his arm. I haven't seen him throw a pass in a game setting uh, you know, without spring game or without practices, but 
it, it's time to see what he can do. I also think it's important that these games kind of give you a sense of what to expect in the future. Ryan Willis isn't going to be here forever. This is his last year. There's going to have to be someone that, that answers at that position. And I think you need to start building upon those experiences. Now there's nothing to worry about in terms of a red shirt. Uh, you know, it's time to, to let hooker loose quite honestly. And if it's not Furman, then when is it? The last thing I'm curious to see looking forward against Furman is the triple option. We all thought it was done with. We all thought it was over. Justin Fuente is 0-3 lifetime against the Georgia Tech triple option while at the helm of Virginia Tech. Can he finally beat a team? I mean, you know, Virginia Tech should win this game. The margin of victory, who knows? But can can the defense show promise against a different-looked offense? It's going to be multiple it's not going to be straight triple option, though. If you, if Furman is watching old tape of Virginia Tech against the triple option, maybe they want to lean that way. Um, but but really looking at the defensive options, I know Doug brought up Amari Barno. He could possibly play in this game uh, and stay under that four-game threshold for a red shirt if he needs it. Um, but we'll see. Uh, can Dax Hollyfield respond positively? Uh, will Rayshard Ashby continue to be the focal point of the defense? Will the DBs be able to to lock down guys over the top if they're going to keep running the triple option? Maybe they have a play where they throw it over the top. Will it be Waller on their number one guy? Will it be Farley? We'll see, but that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to cover the Furman game and switch things up for the bye week.